Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're, we're just everywhere these days. And we're also on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Drink, another uh, another fantastic episode as we, we move along here. Um, great to be with you again. So will we, cons- will we consider today a fantastic Friday or a fruitful Friday? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I like to, you know, play with them vernaculars like that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think it's I think it could be both. It could be. Okay. It, I don't know, man. We're starting like 45 minutes earlier. It could be a freaky Friday, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like where you go with that. Um, yes. Glad to be back up in the, in, in the booth, ready to give the people what they need. You know what I'm saying? In this diplomacy and they ain't talking about what Biden said but with that said um you know I can, I'll be remiss if I keep going forward without asking how you and yours doing over there man good man be back in uh was talking to you about it a little early but I'll be back in the the legitimate broadcast booth tomorrow for right. some uh Elizabeth City State College basketball so definitely excited for that but meanwhile here we are for another great drink of wisdom episode how about you man? right right yeah, man. Hey, well, while you in the legitimate booth, I'll be over here in my comfort booth um, cheering you on. Um, <laughs> be, before we get into that, while you say that, dude, did you want to, like, give a quick little shout out to how they can listen to you if they listen to you, if they want to listen to you? Like, how, yeah, how, if you, how if you had a chance, Yeah, if you had a chance to listen to the, um, the Down East Viking Football Classic, which seems like a lifetime ago, but it was last September, it'll be on the, uh, the CIAA Sports app. That's the, uh, the conference that Elizabeth State uh, plays in. Game will be, the women's game will be at two. The men's game will be at probably about four. Um, so if you're interested in checking it out, um, that's where you can find us. You heard the man. Make sure y'all check my boy out tomorrow. I'll, I'll be tuning in and out. Um, got some things on, going on over here, but I definitely make sure I, I listen in, see, see what you got going on in the great action. But with that said, um, another day, another dollar. We we here to give the streets what they need. We see what they don't. Absolutely say what they want. And uh, set your dinner plates because I know it's time to eat. We're a little earlier, so you might not eat until a little later, but you know. Go ahead and get ready to eat what we got right here. And last but not least, you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what we got today? Episode 40, we got the All-Star, uh, NBA All-Star Weekend on deck. We'll talk about Roger Goodell and his meeting with the uh, civil rights leaders. Talk about uh, NFL hiring practices. And we also got some, uh, we got some college football news that uh, came down the pipe today. And we'll get into that a little later. But first... Let's start in the NBA last night. Uh, we had a, a barn burner last night. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, you know what it is. MB, he's still on his MVP caliber tear, dropping 42 last night. Um, with, and, and with 14 rebounds and five assists. And, you know, did I say he had a plus 13? Um, and then on the other side, um, you know, the reigning champs led by their, their leader, um, Giannis, uh, 32 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. And um, I, I, I got to say this, uh, 2 from 4 for the three-point line and 4 for 5 from the free-throw line. So for those that, you know, like to point those stats out about Giannis, it seems to be getting better. Also, with that, th- this was a game last night that I think both of us, the reason we wanted to talk about this game, because this game probably – 
it's going to test the parameters of who's going to be running the Eastern Conference or who we think should be running the Eastern Conference. And I should say, before I pass it over to you, Jay, this was the 76ers without James Harden. So we, we do you know think we're going to see a different team once James Harden is in the mix. But with that said, the 76ers won last night by three without him. With that said, over to you, Jay. What, what, what was... Your your opinion of the overall totality of the game as you watched it last night? No, I uh, I'm not I'm not big I'm not a real big hot take guy, but I think I might have one for you today and for the audience. Mm-hmm. I think in the big picture, what we saw last night in terms of Joel Embiid and uh, the Greek Freak, I think we're looking at um, I think we're looking at a battle for best player in the world for about the next five, 10 years, maybe the short side of that. But I think that's what we're seeing. I think with uh, with how Joel Embiid is playing right now and how he played last year, it was definitely in the MVP conversation. I think we're looking at the best two players in the world uh, right now. Whoa, whoa. So we, what are we saying about Durant at this moment? I'm saying Durant, and, and look, I think this is probably not right now, right now, but this is like the, the future of the NBA. This is where we're going. Okay. We know LeBron right now, it, it, as, as well as he's playing and as great as he is, he, he's, it's hard to imagine that he's going to play much longer. Kevin Durant right now, he, he's, he's still in the conversation right now, but we see how the Nets are sliding right now. We don't, and as, as far as KD, he is the absolute present, but as far as the future, when you like look ahead, KD's not the future anymore of the NBA. I could say the same thing about Steph Curry. For me, mm. right now, if, as you as we look ahead and project, and maybe this maybe this is more accurate for like two years from now. But I think when you talk about the future of the NBA, and we know Giannis right now is in the conversation. Embiid, we know he has the talent. He's had the talent, and he was. I thought he should have been the MVP last year. But as far as like where we're going, when we see Joel Embiid play like he did last night, and this kind of ties back in to what the, the, the TNT crew said, what, last year? If you just want to drop 20 and 10, hey, you're a nice player. But we need, we need what, 30 and 15 or whatever Shaq said. You, I, we, we did a segment on that. And he responded right. it, and he responded to that after like, you know, for a game or a couple games. But what we've been missing is a consistency. And that's what I that's what I think that we're seeing more from last season and now this season. We're seeing Joel Embiid focused, more consistent, because the talent's never been a question. So to me, really, the big difference to me between Embiid and Giannis is the motor. That's kind of what has been the difference between Giannis and Embiid over the past couple of years. Now it's a little bit more even because if Embiid plays with that motor and that aggression and that consistency, then it's a different ball game. As far, but so that's kind of my hot take. I think that these are the two best players in the world that'll be competing for that title post LeBron and as K- KD continues to progress in his career as he gets on the back nine. Other guys, there may be some guys I'm missing. Maybe Luca gets in there at some point, but I don't think he's there yet. I think these are the two guys, and that's why what, this was such a what okay. So let's just throw this out here, just throw a little wrench in, your, in what you're saying. What about last year's MVP? They play the same position, him and Embiid, anyway. What, yeah, what, I, what do we play in this mix? You talking about Jokic? <laughs> yeah, that was last year's MVP. Yeah, you talking about Jokic. Yeah, and yeah. he may he may well figure into that. I, I just, even though he was won the MVP last year, I don't look at him as the same 
I don't look at him as quite the same class as Embiid and Giannis. I just don't. Maybe that's somewhat okay. disrespectful, but um, I, th- I think Embiid, when you look at his talent, and, I, and again, it's all about consistency, and that's, that's kind of, I think, where the Joker maybe winning the MVP, I think his health benefited him, but I, do, I think uh, Jokic plays a more consistent brand of basketball than Embiid uh, has mm-hmm. in, in years past. And I think that that consistency is the one thing MB has been missing. And I think it looks like he's starting to really tighten that up. And if, of course, we know the big question is his health. If his health holds up, then it's a whole different, different ball game. So that's what that's what I think on that. In regards to the game last night, you know, um, first of all, it feels like we ain't done an NBA game in a long time. You know, I think people tuning in was probably like, are these guys ever going to do some NBA games? They're just going to talk about football. Well, the Super Bowl just wrapped up, so it's time to talk about a little basketball. And it's great to get this one. Great to get this one in as we approach the All Star break, because I actually got to look at the standings and see what's going on here. But the, as you look at the uh, the Eastern Conference, you got Miami, you got Chicago, and then you have uh, really a logjam three through five. The five teams up top are only separated by two and a half games. So Milwaukee, you look at them, they're in the fifth seed right now. That really doesn't mean a whole lot. I still think they're they're a team you definitely got to take seriously as a top contender in the Eastern Conference, even though they lost this game. And I did think, look, Philly had lost seven straight in this series. So definitely it was, you know, it was, I think it was a significant win for them, at least for their, their mental makeup. And um, I think what they showed last night is without Ben Simmons, you know, I always talk about these guys that they have in the backcourt, uh, they still got a nice four guard rotation that they can bring out there, even without, uh, even though they let Seth Curry hit on up to Brooklyn with uh, Ben Simmons. You got Maxi coming out here having a really nice season, uh, and he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. But to me, in the late in the second quarter, when Tyrese Maxi got going, that kind of uh, you know springboarded the Philadelphia 76ers. And, um, you know, it was it was their game to lose from that point uh, forward. Court Mars coming out there, hitting some threes. I thought that was important. Uh, you know about Shake Milton coming off the bench. I don't think, was I talking, was I talking, Danny Green ain't a part of this, is he? There's another guard. Who's the other guard for this team? Uh, um, was, you talking about Thibault? Thibault, that's who he is. And Thibault, uh, that's why I couldn't remember him, because Thibault didn't do anything last night. But, yeah. he's, but he's part of that mix I'm talking about. When I talk about Thibault, Court Miles, Milton, and Maxi. That's the four guard rotation that I'm talking about. So they still got plenty, plenty of juice in the uh, in the backcourt. I really like the mix that they have. And then uh, look, you know about Tobias Harris. He's good for. He's probably a three on the championship team, but he can be a three at best because you got James Harden waiting in the wings. As long as James Harden can be the number two. And I, I think even if James Harden is not the scorer of old, if he can be the facilitator that he's shown with Brooklyn, I think him and Joel Embiid are going to be devastating on the two-man game for what um, they can bring for Philly. And I think, you know, even though Milwaukee lost this game, I don't think there's any panic there. Um, I really, you know, they're still trying to – that Serge Ibaka trade, uh, they they still trying to, you know, get him in the mix a little bit. I didn't think he was uh, particularly impressive last night. I still think he takes too many threes, but you know that's how he plays the game now in the uh, in the new age NBA of all the shooting. But you know you know how I feel about Milwaukee. It's it's um I've had this position on Milwaukee for for you know it's been pretty consistent now. Before Holiday arrived, it was Giannis gonna do his thing. What are you gonna get from Middleton and Eric Bledsoe? Now that Bledsoe ain't here no more, it's it's Middleton and Holiday, and Middleton just for the most part he was not very impressive last night. 
So when you combine how well Philly played offensively, they shot the ball 50%. I thought uh, that was a little bit uncharacteristic of Milwaukee's defense. I think they're a little bit better than that. But um, Middleton just wasn't all that effective, even though he did put up 19 points and he was a plus seven. But um, Middleton, his uh, like inefficiency plus their bench, they didn't get anything from their bench last night. So I thought that was the big difference in the game. As far as Giannis, I thought Giannis played a really good game. I just thought he got started a little late. His first half, it was kind of like, where is he? Is he doing anything? And you look at his stat sheet, and it's like, oh, he's, he's doing something. I really felt like he got into the game more in the second half. In the fourth quarter, he had an impressive charge. This dude was knocking down jump shots. You know about Giannis, if he starts hitting jump shots consistently, and I'm telling you, if he can go four for five from the free throw line and you probably like to get it up to eight to ten, that's the problem last night. He didn't have as many attempts as he should. But um, if he shoots the ball with any level consistently, he is definitely a problem. But I thought Embiid, for the, from start to finish, he was the story. Uh, he gave whatever defender was on him real problems. Ibaka couldn't handle him. I, I love I love me some Bobby Portis, but Bobby Portis is just a little bit too – he's a little bit too too short and a little bit too small. Embiid's just a bigger guy, and he used his size advantage to uh, to really, you know, do what he did with those 42 points. So – and Milwaukee – Milwaukee this Milwaukee in that fourth quarter made a real good charge, but if you look late in that game – they just had way too many empty possessions down the stretch. They had some silly reaching fouls. Holiday committed just a silly reach on Embiid on the perimeter where he's trying to go for a steal. And they just did they just did not execute. I think part of it, and you saw on one fast break possession, you saw Middleton coming in and he thought Jordan Noir was gonna slide to the corner. And Noah didn't slide and Middleton just threw the ball out of bounds. There's just a lack of familiarity there because when you talk about Dante DiVincenzo going out to Sacramento. Pat Connaughton being down with the with a finger injury right now. So the backcourt um, in the reserves, uh, they, they got some chemistry things they're going to work on. Same thing with Ibaka. But they'll they'll use the final you know couple months of this regular season. And by the playoff time, I think they'll be locked and loaded. I think, I think that, you know, depending on, depending on what James Harden looks like and how he integrates with Philadelphia. I, I, I know what Chicago has been doing. I know about Miami and I know about Cleveland and, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, how Brooklyn can do when all their pieces come back together. But I think, you know, these, these two teams, they got as good a shot as anybody as being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Look, I, and I'm going to start where you ended. Look, here's the deal. For, for my Chicago fans and my Cleveland fans and um, what was another surprise team I seen at the top of the conference? Um, okay, so boom, boom, Milwaukee. Uh, I think those are probably your two. I think my, okay. Miami probably belongs, I'd say. Yeah, off the strength that Miami was in the, the finals in the bubble, I, I, I give them that. It's, my, my, my thing is this. Um, listen, I applaud what, what Chicago doing. I applaud what Cleveland doing. But when, when you give me a, a random Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday – in the regular season, that's cool. I, I got to see what you do in the postseason. And that's the reason why I, I give Miami their flowers. I done seen them do some things in the postseason. I give them that. But, like, right now, if, if you told me to bet the mortgage on the 76ers versus Chicago or Cleveland, I'm going with the 76ers. If you told me to do that with Milwaukee, I'm going with – I got it. What they did is it's, it's good for the NBA. It's a good storyline. But I haven't seen enough yet. Um, and listen, 
what Chicago best player right now is De DeMar DeRozan. We just seen what he do in the postseason. Cleveland best player right now seem to be Darius Garland. He's fairly young. We don't we don't quite know yet. We got to see more, right? So that said, I, I agree with you. I think these the two teams to keep an eye on. I got Miami is in that mix, but be honest, I like Miami. But if you give me seven games of this type of MB or this type of Giannis, I don't know. I, I think Bam Adebayo will have his work cut out against this either one of these teams. Now, to, to the game last night, here's the deal. I'm, one big thing I seen out of this game last night was the grit of both teams. Um, look, we, we know the history of the 76ers on the road. They usually are not a good road team. Last night they showed, when you're watching this in the first quarter, you're like, hey, the Bucks might get 76ers on out of here the way this is looking. Um, they, they, they were sluggish, wasn't looking all that good, called a timeout in the second quarter, and then Tyree Maxey said, yo, hold my Gatorade bottle. And he, he I mean, not, not to say he did everything by himself, but his effort willed them back into the game. And then I want to say at halftime they had – like a five or six point lead at halftime. It was um, eight. It was eight. Eight. Okay. Something. Okay. I know yeah, something, something like that. Tip in at the, at the with buzzer. the tip in at the buzzer. Um. So then you come out in the second half and like you said, it was pretty much Philadelphia game to lose, which it seemed that way it was going to happen once the fourth quarter rolled around. Philly started turning over the ball. Then on the very very last play of the game. Uh, George Niang, they got him to step out of bounds or do like some hesitation move where they turned over the ball. So Milwaukee got the last shot. Middleton didn't really get a great shot on the last shot, but Milwaukee did get the last shot of this game. Um, and I think that's just due to the, the grit of both teams. Like I said, Philly could have packed it in in the first half. They did not. The Bucks could have packed it in in the second half. They did not. So we had a fantastic um, finish with that game. Well deserved, and I do agree with you. If Joel Embiid does not get hurt, he should be hands down the MVP. We talked about this last year. Joel Embiid, I think maybe we thought his gap was bigger than what it really was with the voters, because we thought, okay, well he was hurt, okay, cool, but he came back, he was playing. It's like his gap was so big before he got hurt, he should still be the MVP. Sadly to say, Jokic was closer than we thought. And that time did cost Joel Embiid and Jokic ended up being the MVP. Well-deserved for him as well, but we thought it was Embiid award to lose. Now, this year, it seems to be going that way, if not better, because Embiid seems to be more healthier, and he seems to be taking the game more serious this year. And he knew, I think coming into the season, he knew it was not going to be no Ben Simmons around, so he knew he had to take on more of the load, more of the scoring load. He seems to be playing that way. That's why I'm hoping James Harden comes in and keep this going and don't stagnate uh, Joel Embiid with iso ball or dribble, 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 dribble. Like, listen, the reason they traded for you is because you possess a myriad of skill sets that Ben Simmons didn't quite possess. Like, you can shoot the ball. You can pass the ball. You've been around the league long enough. You have a high IQ of basketball. Now, with all that said, you're playing with one of the best players in the league right now. My problem with James Harden is this. He don't play well when he played with one of the best players in the league. So that's something to keep the eye on. 
every time, correct me if I'm wrong, his Houston days, because I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, pacify him for his OKC days because he was young and they traded him away. They didn't know what they quite had. But in his Houston days, anytime he got a second great player, it didn't work out. He had Dwight Howard in, in, in probably the tail end of his prime that didn't work out. He had Chris Paul that didn't quite work out. Chris Paul got hurt, but we seen the divorce at the end when Chris Paul got traded away. Um, then he had Westbrook. You know, somewhat still a star that didn't work out. He gets traded over to Brooklyn. Don't really like the fact that Durant get plays called for him. You know, Kyrie probably rub him the wrong way. Now he's with 76ers. We'll see how that work out. But let's just keep in mind, James Harden do have a track record about himself. With all that said, we'll see once he come back, once he come back to play, how that works out. To your point, it should be easy as butter. Because if you can sit here and lob it up to Clint Capella, I have to believe you could do the same thing with Joel Embiid. The problem with that is I just don't think James Harden is the same player he was when he had Clint Capella. So, with that said, we'll, we'll see how that work out. To the Milwaukee Bucks, here's the deal. Hey, folks, no need to, um, you know, burn the house down. This is just a Tuesday in the NBA schedule. I mean, a Thursday, I'm sorry. Just another Thursday in the NBA schedule. I think Milwaukee will be fine. You you spelled it out. No Pat Connaughton. Um, I think that hurts that rotation in the back end. But I, I'm going to tell you like this, man. You said something about Bob Porter's being small. And on the defense side of the ball, you're right. Joel B was like, <laughs> let me go ahead and get this snack right quick. And I, and I got that. But what I do like about Bobby Porter's was he did not shy away from MB when it came to playing on the boards, when it came to, you know, getting get down there and get gritty and dirty. He know MB is bigger. You can watch it on TV and be like, yo, that dude ain't got nothing for MB. But he still went in there and did what he had to do. So I had to give him kudos. And I'm going to tell you like this. If Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton – Keep on with this flippity-flop-flop, flippity-flop flam that they got going on. I'm about to call Bobby Porter's one of the big three. One of these max contract dudes going to get put up out of here. Because let me tell you something about Bobby Porter's. I thought he was a sham. I thought he was uh, propaganda when he first came over from Chicago after he <laughs> broke the dude's face for whatever he did. He smacked the dude up in he, Chicago. He kicked Miritich out the league. Yeah, like we that dude went to the, the the Pelicans and we didn't see him again. Like he was a first thing smoking back to Europe. So I I honestly thought Bob Porter's was just a gimmick. I, I really did. I was like, all right, this dude out here fighting people, he got anger issues, this, that, and the third came to Milwaukee, made a good a good like career for himself. He seemed to be a fan favorite. And for what I like, he's consistent. I think he's consistent for what you want him to do. I mean, he's an undersized five. So when he go against natural fives, it is what it is. When he go against the MBs and the Jokic of the world, he's going to be undersized. They're going to probably get what they want on him. But what he is going to do is make them work on the defense side of the ball because he might not, he might be undersized, but that energy, he's going to get up there. He's going to do some things. So honestly, in my opinion, personal opinion, I think Bobby Porter's, and it, it might not show as big on the stat sheets, I think he's the second most consistent player. Not best player, but consistent player. So, with that said, I, I just want to give Bob Porter his flowers because I, I, I watched him last night and I said, 
hell, the man doing about as good as anybody else is doing with Embiid right now. So it is what it is. You can't even fault him. This dude trying to get the MVP trophy. Think about and just to the point about their those front court guys. Don't don't forget Brooke Lopez, another guy who's not in the lineup now for Brooklyn either. Right. Soon they get him back. When you when you can have him, Giannis, Bobby Portis, and Serge Ibaka. Remember how I talked about Denver having the the best three man group of front court mm-hmm. guys with uh, right. Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. That's the best four, the best uh, four person group. There, there's no well, there's no. I don't think there's another group of four front court players that are better than what Milwaukee has. <laughs> The other thing, the other quick, final quick points, real quick. I do got to shout out a couple guys. Jordan Noir for Milwaukee. He's obviously being forced into the starting lineup because of Stephen Chinchow leaving and Connaughton being out. I thought he was impressive last night. He wasn't scared. He was out here just launching from three. He showed he can play former Louisville Cardinal. And you know what? I have never, I don't think I've ever said anything nice about George Niang. He played good last night. He did. Big body. You can tell like he was. You know, Giannis can't just completely run him over, and he spread the floor well. He, he, I think he fits in well. Good for him. Yeah, I agree. I think that was the best game for George Niang. With that said, good win for the 76ers, and I'm pretty sure we're going to call more 76ers and Buck game, or, well, recap and, you know, preview more of their games throughout the season. So we'll see how that go. You know what I'm saying? Let's move on to that all-star break. All right, we now we'll stick with the NBA. As you know, uh, last night was the uh, final uh, night of games in the NBA for the weekend. We'll get back to the NBA regular season games next week. But we got All-Star Weekend to get into now. So many, so many festivities actually start tonight with the, uh, the uh, what, the celebrity game. About, uh, what are we at? About 45 minutes from now, the celebrity game will be on tap if you're into that with uh, Luke Walton and Dominique Wilkins coaches of the team. I don't I don't recognize a lot of those names, but, you know, well, I guess that says more about me. The Rising Stars Challenge will be after that at 9. It's a little bit new format. you got four teams out there uh, coached by some of, the, uh, some of the all-time greats. And then tomorrow you have – you got the, uh, the three events that really I think is the, uh, the best part of All-Star Weekend with the Skills Challenge, a three-point shootout, and the Slam Dunk Contest. And then on Sunday night, it'll be the actual main event, the 71st All-Star Game, Team Durant and Team LeBron. Drink, what are you, uh, a lot of stuff to get to. Talk about whatever you want. What are you most looking, looking forward to? Well, let me go ahead and cut this workload off a little bit for me right now. I don't give two, two lambs tail about this uh, celebrity game, so I'm not going to say nothing about that. I'm skipping on to the Rising Stars. Um, listen, um, so – Team Rick Barrett, Team Isaiah Thomas, Team James Worthy, Team Garrett Payton. Um, I like the coaches. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you I like the coaches. Um, when I looked at the coaches for the first time, the first thing came to my mind was like Garrett Payton for some reason. Just his competitive nature, I guess. Um, what he do, how he carry himself, how he talks that trash, and what he do in the big three league. I was like, okay, cool. But then I started looking at the teams, right, and – I said, you know, before we got on here, I was like, you know what? I like Team Rick Barry, and I still like Team Rick Barry. Um, I, I think I'm gonna pick that team to win. However, this is gonna this tournament gonna go because I think people gotta understand All Star Weekend is gonna look a lot different this year than it looked in the past. So I don't quite know how this is gonna work, but what I do know is I'm rolling with Team Rick Barry because I like myself some Evan Mobley and some Kate Cunningham. And some Jay Sean Tate. 
and some Franz Wagner. Vac well, he I think it's supposed to be German, so Wagner, well, however you said. Um I like I, I like those guys. I don't watch those guys play this year. I you know, I think those guys are some some competitors. Not to say that the other teams are not good. I think those teams are good, but like for instance, I'm looking at Team James Worthy. Where your size at, buddy? Herb Jones, that's it? That's all you got for me. Herb Jones. Um, I mean you got Giddy, but like you like you mentioned earlier, he's listed as a guard with a frame over four. I don't know what that's about. Another thing I like about the, the Rising Star Challenge is they're actually trying to help rise some stars. What do I mean by that? Each team will get a G League player. Now, what player in the NBA, you know, pipeline needs ex exposure more than G League players? Yeah. So, I think that's, that's one. I think, like, that's the epitome of rising stars, like, if you ask me, that... G League now you get four, you know, and I'm I'm assuming these are gonna these are four of the top guys in the G League right now. Get to come on the, the NBA platform, All Star Weekend, and get to play and get get their name out there, get their exposure up, and you know get to play around some guys that's actually already in the NBA, and then you know so on and so forth. So I, I like that. I want to give uh, you know kudos to um, the NBA for that. Now. This thing they got going on at 2 p.m. Saturday, it, this we still in the month of February, so I'm going to assume that's what this got something to do with. Sometimes I feel like Adam Silver is just, he evolves too much. Like, I love the fact that he evolves, but sometimes I think it'd be a tad bit overboard. However, um, you know, 2 p.m. on ESPN is some NBA um, and uh, HBCU Classic. Right, Morgan State versus Howard University. That's something new, something very new, fresh off the press, new. Um, but I'm curious to see how that works into the whole All Star Weekend thing. So, and I think we got a good idea why that's going to get worked into the whole um, All Star Weekend thing. So I'm curious to see that. That's something new. Um, Do you and know then, why? Huh? Do you know why? Do you have? Because it's February. Right. But is that since it's something new, would you suspect it's part of the whole social justice thing? I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to let the NBA get a chance. I, I haven't really heard a clear, like, description of what exactly how this ties into the rest of the All-Star Weekend. I'm, but I'm assuming because... It, it, social justice, yeah, because you think the All Star Game always happen around February, March time frame. So we, we, I, I, you would have thought we would have seen this more if it's just because it's Black History Month. So maybe it's a protest thing, but I just don't want to dive too deep in that without knowing because we know how frickle this this type of conversation can be. Right. And I don't, um, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't know either. I hadn't looked into it. I was just seeing if you had a had a notion on. I, I don't. I, I don't. Um, it, you know, it's one of them curveballs. You know, Adam Silver threw that thing and it just right by my head. And I'm still like, where'd it go? Um, so, <laughs> with that, uh, going down to the, the skills challenge, it seems as if the skill challenge is going to be different this year. Usually, in the skill challenge, we get four forwards slash centers against four guards. Um, 
So and then it's like one one forward slash center versus a guard, and they do it until all of them went. Then they advance, so on and so forth. This just seems a little different. Um, you you got the Cavs with three players, um, two of which are, are centers. One is a guard. I'm looking at three rookies that's joining the the, the freight here, um, with Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and uh, Josh Giddy. And then we we got the uh, you know the trio. Um, we got the the uh, how, how can I the Antica, I can't I can't say it. We we got the brothers though. We got Giannis yes. and the Nassis. I can say that <laughs> part. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not quite sure who, who is Alex. That's a I think that's another one. I didn't so I thought it was just Giannis, the Nassis, and uh, was it Costas? Costas. Right. So this is he's got another brother brother, and I think Alex oh, is wow. in the G League. Oh, wow, they, what they just working to be the first family of basketball or what? I see you out there. See what y'all got going on, man. So we got that going on. So that tells me right there that the skill challenge is going to be a little different than what we used to in the past. So be out on the lookout for that. Um, what's turned into increasingly my favorite event of the weekend, the three-point contest, because it's usually the contest that actually brings out the fire and the competitiveness of of the participants um the three-point contest which we got cj mccullough trey young zach levine desmond bain carl anthony towns fred van bleak um luke luke canard and um patty mills so that's a pretty pretty decent group you know we spoil so we like to see steph curry and the clay thompsons and um you know, guys that, that, that usually light it up on a regular basis. But you, you do got the Trey Youngs, Fred Van Vliet, guys, Kennard, you know, guys that put up a lot of threes. So this should still be compelling. This is, a, a, like I said, this is my, you know, probably my favorite event of the whole weekend because I just like how they compete in this. Slam dunk contest, you know, take it for what it's worth. Cole Anthony, that's a guard. I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Um, what? I'm just say Juan Anderson. Uh, I'm gonna skip out on that middle part. Um, Obi Toppin and um, Jalen Green. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got Obi Toppin in, in this competition. I think Obi, yes. I I just seen Obi Toppin jump out the gym in a regular game. So my my he's my favorite going into this. Um, and then Sunday, man, we got all types of stuff going on here. So Sunday at 2 p.m. The next gen game, so I guess this is next generation. It's yeah, two G League teams playing yeah. against each other. Yeah. Oh man, hey, they really, hey, I ain't mad at the NBA. They promoting the G League now. They, hey, <laughs> hey, this is probably the worst thing that could happen to college basketball. They probably like, come on, man, come on, man, stop doing this. Cause now you really finna have players that jump ship and go straight to the G League. But that's another story for another day. And then, like you said, um, at 8 p.m. Sunday. The 71st edition of the All-Star Game. And, by by the way, I'm going to take Team LeBron because they team look like somebody actually took their time to put that together right. Um, and I don't know who I got for the MVP right now. I'll probably have to come back to that. But, yeah, I'm going to take Team LeBron in that. So, yeah, man, that's that's what I'm expecting to see in, in All-Star Weekend this weekend. Yeah, so many, <clears throat> so many great things to get to. I got to say, um, back to that, just to 
just to you're not excited for the celebrity game where we could possibly see Miles Garrett back down to what the mayor of oh wait they're on the same team but anyway I want to see the mayor cleaning <laughs> you know but anyway yeah I'm not I'm not I missed it when uh Kevin Hart was involved I thought those were pretty entertaining for uh, for TV but um I gotta say just though so ESPN what if they get the celebrity game and the HBCU game yeah right. <laughs> so those i mean no disrespect those are not necessarily the main events i would say but to, to get to this on uh, this rising stars thing brought to you by clorox i like to list out the sponsors of that so uh yeah I, uh, yeah i like uh <laughs> for no reason i like uh rick i, I actually agree through rick barry's got seemed like he got a nice team uh yeah with wagner jay sean tate and definitely uh definitely i like what mobley's been doing big reason that uh cleveland's really good this year and Kay Cunningham of course the number one pick I do like um I do like James Worthy's team I think I mentioned it before the show but yeah the size mm-hmm. like they got some great guards with Cole Anthony Maxie and uh, Jalen Suggs but um yeah man I was looking up this uh this guy Marjan uh Beauchamp to see if maybe maybe they pulled their size from the G League no oh, he's 6'6 200 so I guess they just going Houston Rockets special small ball. Uh, we'll see how it goes, you know. But, uh, you know, for the other teams, you know, Gary Payton with LaMelo and uh, Scotty Barnes. And then, uh, look, they get Kaminga as an injury replacement. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I really like what he brings to the table. And then um, as far as Isaiah Thomas, they got the number one pick from last year with Anthony Edwards. I, I saw when Precious Achua was at Miami, I thought he was like Bam Adebayo light. I know he's, I think he's in Toronto now, but uh, right. Desmond Bain is a really solid player down there in uh, in uh, in Memphis. So there's there's a lot of a lot of guys that are interesting and I think worth watching. And I do I do really like the new wrinkle of bringing up um, some G League guys. And I'll go ahead and name them. You got Dyson Daniels, Jaden Hardy, Marjan Beauchamp, and scoot henderson get some get scoot on in there so you know i think i think that's a nice wrinkle that, that they throw in to actually because the all-star weekend is it's all a showcase so right. now that you have the g league in concert with the nba and you have guys like wasn't it jalen green who last year played in the g league and now he's in houston he was like one of the i think one of the like really big recruits who for who decided against going to college went to the g league so um i think it makes all the sense in the world and like thing I like about the NBA for their all-star weekend they have so much going on but they always looking to make it bigger and better because all this just a show you know it's in its entertainment value and as far as like when you compare it to the other sports leagues NBA got the best thing smoking for all I'm I'm not a big fan of like really any of them but like this is the one I would watch and do watch from time to time I don't really care about the Pro Bowl and like they need to get rid of the Pro Bowl I get that yeah I get down with the home run derby but I mean Actually, the MLB All Star Game. You know, I'm not too much for it. So, I think this is overall some good stuff. They they um, they doing some new things. Like we said, they got four teams for the Horizon Stars Challenge. They doing something different with the Skills Challenge. Uh, I would say, I you know, that's like I said, the eight o'clock Saturday night. Those three events. I think that's the headliners for me. I think you have. Um, I think the rookies win the uh, Skills Challenge. And I think for the three-point shootout, I take Patty Mills, and I think I think there's no contest for the slam dunk contest. I think Obi Toppin. Like, I ain't seen like I saw Cole Anthony in college. I ain't seen him too much for the Magic, but I ain't never seen him like do anything that stuck out to me. I don't know about Jalen Green, but I ain't seen nothing from Juan Toscano Anderson in game that's like, oh, that dude put him in a dunk contest. 
So, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe they got some for us. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think I think that does look like OB Toppin's event. Would you care to give winners for those other two? Yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, Three-point contest, I'm going with, um, man, who won it? Who won it? Who won it? Yeah, I'm going with Fred VanVleet. No, I'm going with Fred VanVleet. I, I think he's going to come out there hungry. Um, for the skills test, I'm skills challenge. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going. I'm going with that that three piece there. I'm going with the Cavs. I'm going with that three piece Cavs right there. I, I like what they got going on there. Um, I was just just as something comical. If the NBA wanted to give us some comedy, what if we, can we have a can we let's do two three point shootouts. Let's do one mm-hmm. with for the actual shooters, and then for the other one for the other one. I don't have a full field of eight, but I give you four. Can we get Russell Westbrook? Can we get Giannis? Can we get Ben Simmons? Can we get? I had another one, but you know what I'm talking about. Think about how great that would be. They could build. You you know how many new construction homes they could build out there with that brick show. Come on, man. You do know. You do know. Once time goes out there, you can never get that time back, right? <laughs> it's like watching Jaguars football. You don't watch it because it's good. You watch it because it's hilarious. That boy down there know about it. Yo, I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> I don't know where where Cody at, but he should be highly feel highly disrespected. And I I don't know I don't know about that one, man. We had to come into the drawing board on that. I don't know how I feel about wasting my time looking at West Brick do all that. Like, I mean, hey, listen, it'll be a hell of a play for Skip and Shannon. That's what dog on show. But I just I don't I don't. I'm good on that one. Anyways, yeah, we'll we'll move on. <laughs> All right, so switching back over to the NFL, some uh, some of that goodness. Um, Thursday, Roger Goodell and some select other owners and executives uh, met with civil rights leaders. Um, those other executives, uh, or team owners, was Roger Goodell himself, evidently. Pittsburgh still the president. Um, Art Rooney the second. Uh, Atlanta Falcons owner and chairman Arthur Blank, Arizona Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, Baltimore Ravens executive vice president Ozzie Newsom, and the Houston Texans, I, I never even knew this was a job, limited Parker, partner, limited partner, Javier LaYoya, and that, and so all those guys, they, they met with the 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 civil rights leader here, um, most notably of the civil rights uh, leaders, because I don't want to go through all of them, was, you know, Reverend Al Sharpton and crew. Um, now, with all that said, we know they met on Thursday, Jay, and we knew what they talked about, which was somehow trying to create more diversity um, within black hires. Um, and basically it just sounded like they came to the table and they're trying to force the, the NFL to figure out a way that's something other than a Rooney rule to pretty much guarantee, um, you know, black, black hires. I would rather have said minorities, but I mean, they seem to be stuck on just black hires. So, okay, cool. Um, so with that said, with, without much context coming out the news that we got, Jay, um, what, what, what you took away from this whole situation with um, the NFL and the uh, civil rights leaders? I think it's, I think just up front, this is, 
this has to be um, the continued fallout from the Brian Flores um, lawsuit, just to just to be clear about where we're coming from and all this. It's hard. It's hard to know. Um, it's hard to be do more than speculate because we don't really know anything, you know, substantive about what was said. We just know the general like the subject of what was being talked about. Hey, man, you need to hire more black people. All right. Well, we, we, we've been hearing that for weeks now. We've been hearing that for years now. You know, I, I, I was actually something I think it was in that story that the, you know, the Rooney Rule has been around since 2003. It's 2003. And like you've been it's been the past couple of years. That's like, man, they just skirting around the Rooney Rule. We've, we've talked about it in length, uh, particularly with Brian Flores and, you know, some of the things that he alleged. Like I, I'm more of the mindset that we've seen it's more bad policy and unprofessionalism than just straight up racism uh is there some some uh some bias in the way owners going about and hiring people probably so because the problem i think we both are on the same page is that you got one minority owner and he's in jacksonville and don't have a clue what he's doing that that there just can be no mistake about that so when you have that situation going on you know if you got, you know, look, what an example was it? Nathaniel Hackett, Eric Bieniemy in Denver, you know, they have just hypothetical example. They have the same, uh, the same resume, the same credentials and all the rest of it. Though, you know, the white owner might hire the white coach because maybe they speak the same language. We've, we've been through this before, so we know what it is. So I guess the thing is like, and this, we've, I've talked about this too. Everyone, everyone seems to, agree that they need we need more i think i think it's right for you to say minority head coaches because then we're you know that that's like real inclusion not that like obviously the black coaches would be what you're most interested in if you're talking about we want to we want the coaches staffs to look like the uh the workforce the players so you know i i get all that but i mean what does that do for ron rivera or Robert Sala, who I'm guessing, I know, I know, we know Ron Rivera's Hispanic is, I don't know, I don't quite know what Sala is. I, he seems like a, that seemed like a Hispanic name. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't get pigeonholed on these type of things. Uh, but, but I guess so if, if you're these, you know, from what I read, they're looking for drastic changes. So what does that mean? Does that mean, I, I gotta believe, the only conclusion I can come to is if you really wanna reach a specific goal, you have to set a specific goal. You have to set a quota. And what quota, you know, for me, what quota is acceptable? Is it 24 out of 32, 75% of the head coaching job, black men? What, you know, what, what would be acceptable? I don't know. I think as usual, and I know this might sound like a broken record, but we're focused on the wrong thing. We should be focused on who is the best person, man, in most senses in the NFL, I'd probably say a man for the job. Uh, and we're not doing that. And that's why, and I, you know, and I also just, I don't know if they're, if these things are connected, but I did notice that this Roger Goodell civil rights thing happened to uh, break just about, I think, I think that was last night I saw it via the Associated Press. And then today you have a story about, oh, Roger Goodell looking for a contract extension. Oh, you don't say. So Roger Goodell out here, yeah, yeah, we need to do better in diversity. Hey, uh, Hey, you negotiate a new contract, right? Okay. So, uh, I mean, that just, I don't know if that, if one has anything to do with the other, but I will say <laughs> just optically, 
Roger Goodell, are you, what do you, you just want to, you just want to keep your job. And obviously, I don't even know, like, if, if you're Roger Goodell, do you really enjoy getting booed every draft day and draft night? Like, I, you have to pick? I, I think he do, though. It's, it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like, I, I, I look at it kind of like, when I used when I watched Floyd Mayweather fights and he walks into the arena and everybody's booing him because I'm gonna tell you why because if they're there to boo you they had to pay to get there or whatever like if it's free or they pay or whatever so you think about it it's the same thing as if they're cheering you because they're there and they're waiting on you to boo you just like they would wait on you to cheer for you so I I, I think he do like it and and before you finish. I do think he deserves to get a new contract, and I think he will get a new contract because this is the wrong time to be trying to bring in a new commissioner. I don't think you want to do that quite right now, um, but that's just my two cents on that. You know, to that point, what if you did, though? What if you did bring in a black commissioner? Why don't we start there? You know, like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We talk, I mean, about, black, we talk about black owners all the time. Where the black commissioner at? I'm telling that, you, he is, is the, the representative of the owner, so this is I, I'm the, not mad at that. This is the part that really gets on my nerves, and it goes back to when Steve, look, different sport, this is the NBA, where nobody's really crying about this, to especially to disagree with the NFL. But when Steve Nash got hired, he jumped the line in front of everybody. And then he wants to, look, Steve Nash gets the job and then says, yeah, man, I'm all about, uh, you know, getting more diversity and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you really, if you really were, then you wouldn't have taken a job. You would say, hello, black people, and everybody qualified that is a different color. Come on in here and go in front of me. That's how you know, that's how you know it's somewhat disingenuous. If you really felt that way, you wouldn't take the job. Yeah, but in the NBA, like, because if you say that about Steve Nash, then you got to say that about Jason Kidd, which is part black. Cause he did the same thing. Derek Fisher that did the same thing. He is part black. So I don't, I don't know. Just, and I guess, so for me, just again, it's an NBA example. So it probably doesn't fit as well, but suppose that, um, let's use kneecaps as an example. Okay. Let's say Dan Campbell gets hired last year in Detroit. And the first thing he's saying is, yeah, we need more black coaches. <laughs> well, you just took one of the jobs, dummy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you're, look, you're not serious. And, I would. I don't blame you because there's 32 jobs. If if I'm a if I'm a qualified applicant that happens to be white, uh, Hispanic, and Asian, I I want that job. I'm not concerned about. Oh my gosh, we we got to give it to we got to give it to black people because that's what. No, I want that job because I think because I think unless I'm not the best person, if I, right. but if I'm the best candidate and I believe that and I nail the interview, I want that job. As right. usual, I think we're talking about the wrong thing. So, oh yeah. So um, <laughs> so here's where I lay with that. Uh, first of all, I want to give kudos to Roger Goodell and, and those owners or executives, the the ones that help represent the NFL and that talk to the, the numerous of civil rights leaders and. Because, honestly, if the NFL didn't do anything, I think it'll just keep chugging along like it's been. I mean, listen, NFL is the, the, the king of sports TV right now. It is what it is. And whether you like the current circumstance, for every fan that stopped watching it for one reason, is another fan that'll pick start watching it for another reason. So, 
I do I do respect the fact that the NFL care enough to try to come up with a solution here. Will they come up with one? We don't know. We don't even know what the hell they even talked about in this meeting. But it is possible that something could come out of this. So I do respect that. Also, you know, I just would have liked it if it was like, I like that it was civil rights leader there, but I wouldn't mind seeing a representative for, I don't know, the Hispanic community, a representative for the Asian community. Because my thing is this, if we keep going down this road, we're just making this a black and white thing. And I got it. If you want to say, well, we was the ones in slavery. Okay, that's true. But are we really saying that the coaches in the NFL should be just black or white? I don't know. I, I, Ron Rivera looked like a damn good coach. He ain't black or white. Yeah. So I, it, I myself, I just, I'm for the word diversity. Not just for my people. I am for the word diversity. Now, like you said, if it's a thing that, listen, it ain't 70% Hispanic or 70% Asian or 70% Arab. It's 70% black. Okay, I understand that. But if basketball can figure this out with all the black athletes they have playing and, and they have a very high number of Europeans playing in the NBA, I just don't understand why can't we figure this out in football. I got it. Football is an alpha male sport, and you need alpha males to lead other alpha males. I got that. But with that said, it's it just, it's to, to what you say, it's about the best candidate. It's about the best coach. Let me tell you something. I'm an Alabama fan. University of Alabama. Our head coach has been white since Nick. We only I can't remember last time we had a black head coach. Either way, the best candidate for the job was Nick Saban. Nick Saban then came in there and broke all type of race barriers. So I just say that to say just because a coach is white don't mean like the owner doesn't like black people or, you know, the owner doesn't like um, minorities. It's Like you said, it's all, all about the language. If I walk into a room, and it's three black people, three white people, three Hispanic people, three Asian people, three Arab people. I mean, and I had to go and just pick a group of people that I, I don't know none of these, these these groups. I'm going to the black group. And it's not because I hate the other groups. It's because that's what I feel comfortable with. Now, I might go over there and be like, nah, this ain't, this ain't it, fam. Y'all ain't cutting it. Let me go ahead and see what the white people talking that's about. That's where you're going to start, though, probably. Right, but that's that's my origin. That you. would be my point of origin. It is what it is. Like, but I'm not racist by no means. But for God's sake, I debate with a white guy at least twice a week. Like, oh. I'm, I'm, huh? Hello, <laughs> yes. I can see the <laughs> so same it, thing reversed. <laughs> right. So it's it's not. I'm not racist. It's just what I'm comfortable with. So I I, I just I feel like we we very hyperbolic right now. But at the end of the day, is it about all minorities, or is it just about black people? Is it just about the black coach, the black GM, the black black owner? And if it is, so be it. But through my eye lens, what I'm looking at, I'm like, listen, this should be about all minorities. It should be about all races that want to be 
at the management level of the NFL or the ownership level of the NFL and so on and so forth. I'm not going to lie. These, some of these crusty white owners need to pack their bags. You talk about Dan Snyder all the time. I'm not. I'm. What's the owner um, for the uh, Dolphins? You said Steve Ross. Stephen Ross, yeah. I'm. I'm. I can't wait for him to pack his bags. Like this bull crap he got going on. So I'm. I'm definitely with the fact that some of them owners don't deserve to be in their spot. That don't mean they're gonna get replaced by minorities though. But the the one they need to be replaced. So we just have to keep our expectations in some type of like reasonable window. I think. And with that said, like I said, kudos to the NFL to, with meeting with those civil rights leaders. Let's see what comes out of that meeting that they had on Thursday. How about how about this? And just to throw this wrench in here, because the diverse, the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, and all the rest of it, that inc- and you because you've seen it drink. I know you have, and this this is probably somewhat maybe outside our line of purview, but I'll go there. Drink. Remember when they put that first female referee out there and it was a big deal mm-hmm. was named Sarah Thomas mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. they got who do you have you got some uh uh some coaches you got mm-hmm. women out there drink mm-hmm. drink that don't square drink there's no women playing I'm sorry there's no women playing so if the if the goal of this is to get women as head coaches I'm not understanding it drink make your own football league I'm just saying hey well I mean they they did have that one kicker for Vanderbilt oh, stop please what no. Don't it was that that happened. That I, happened. I know it. I know it happened. But I'm saying, really, come on, man. Uh, okay, what she do? <laughs> she did her own. She did a squib kick, and a, did she kick an extra point? What is she? Yo, she and, she's doing something else now. She's doing soccer. She played. She, she, yeah, she 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 uh, she made some soccer team. That, it's true. Like, I'm just saying, it happened. <laughs> but don't don't paint that as like we're seeing the next revolution. We're not. You said it, and you were absolutely correct. That's not, this is an alpha male sport. You don't want to, I'm, I'm telling you, I'll I put it to you like this. You want your daughter out there competing with grown men? No, you don't. And I don't either. And that's not, that's not being sexist. That's not none of that. That's just being honest and understanding the realities that we have differences as men and women. The woman thing, miss me with that. <laughs> well, we conclude this night in the main segment with college football haven't done that in a little bit but we had some news i think came out today that the college football playoff it will not expand until at least the current contract expires which expires at the end of the 2025 season uh you needed i think you needed all the uh fbs commissioners and the notre dame ad to be in uh, in unison on this one to vote for expansion and they were not in unison and they could not get there so we will have a four-team playoff until 2025 and then i suppose they will revisit this and continue moving of course i think we are gonna get expansion at some point but the one thing drake i'll set you up this way the one thing that kind of caught me by surprise was this seemed to be based all these negotiations seem to be based off the 12 team model that we kind of had laid out uh last june i believe so they they were trying to go from four to 12. there didn't really ever seem to be an 18 playoff sprinkled in i'll let you take it from there I think that's for two reasons. One reason number one, um, I think so. We always talk about with the birth of the college football playoffs, it minimized the other bowl games outside of New Year's Six. So I think 
now that we done had, what, eight years of the four-team playoff with the college football playoffs, I think now it's enough data out there to say if we don't include all of the New Year's Six Bowls, we might render the rest of those bowls useless too. So we want to keep the value of the New Year's Six Bowls. We go to 12, we make all six bowl games a playoff game, and then you you from there you would make the next rounds probably, you know, um, off-site games, which would tell me that a lot of the lower bowl games will get faded out unless you're going to try to use those games as the first round and then backtrack for the next round to use the New Year's Six Bowls or however. But I, I do think the 12-team thing is wrapped around the New Year's Six Bowls because like I told you earlier, we didn't have the New Year's Six Bowls back when, during the BCS era and, and before then. Those bowls have been around for a while. And I, don't, I, I just don't think college football as a whole want to dilute, let's say, the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, um, the Orange Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Even the Peach Bowl with that, with that being pretty much the newcomer of the group. Um, they they want to keep the revenue, the, the 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 popularity of those bowl games. They don't want to turn the Rose Bowl into the Jimmy Kimmel Live Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Where people just don't really care. You know the the, the Idaho Potato Bowl. They want to keep the Rose Bowl as an elevated you know bowl that people want to see, people want to watch, people want to get a ticket to. And I think that's the way that's the way to do it. Now, here's the thing: for all of my people that say. It's about the, we need to expand this. We sick of this bull rip. This is bull rip. We think, you know, this should be expanded. This is so unfair to most of the country. Man, listen. College football playoff been around eight years. Give me the year where we had eight, eight contenders. You can, I'm talking about, you look at all the data points that they scream every show strength of schedule, whoever you played, who you got left on your schedule. What was your out-of-conference schedule? Um, you know, the eye test. Whatever, whatever, whatever metric you want to use. Give me the year where right before they picked the four teams, we had eight teams that was playoff ready. But drink on, the man. Drink the last, the last several years, it seems like the fourth team that gets thrown in doesn't even measure up. Like, there's, there was a couple years where it was Oklahoma, and they get just boat raced by the one seed. And, I mean, so... Yeah, it, it. I mean, when you talk about the actual just competitive spirit of the game and like what's best for the sport from a from a viewer standpoint, expansion when you because we've seen like, give me, you know, give, you'd have to go way back to, to like give to see like competitive semifinals. The semifinals lately have not been have not been competitive generally. So. It, it, it has to be something about like I think there's a there's a probably a real financial incentive to expand. There's probably other reasons as well. But when you talk about actually the health of the sport and you know the the great thing about college football, which we say is a sense of urgency, this isn't sense of urgency. I I think the two th the very first year of the playoffs was the, the the only year that come to my mind where I say oh all all the games was competitive. I mean, Ohio State did pull away from Oregon a little bit towards the end of the national championship, but we seen what Ohio State, how Ohio State and Alabama ended. Then we see how Florida State versus Oregon ended. That was probably the most competitive playoff 
going into the national championship. I think after that, that's when it became more of a popularity contest, I guess you'd say. And that's where the mismatch started. That's where, like, everybody was like, oh, yeah, we got to put it in the Big 12. We got to put it in the SEC. We got to put it in the AAC. You know, whatever the case might be. Um, so, with that said, I I am glad that the management um, committee decided, no, we, we, we just can't agree on this and we shouldn't do it. Because, like, it's, it's all about money. Sometimes the product that you got, you make enough money off of it. I know it's a business. You always, you, you can never make enough money. But it does become a time where you try to do too much and then you're kind of killing your own product. You know, and another argument I heard about expansion is, well, if you expand, you minimize players opting out. Let's be clear here. Players was opting out before the playoffs became a thing. It just, they wasn't opting out to the level that they're opting out now. And it was not highly profiled like it is now. Like, as soon as, as soon as the championship weekend is done, we're, we're sitting over here waiting to see who's going to opt out now. If your team ain't in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure the best team, the best players on your team, they ain't playing your if they in a regular, you know, New Year's Six Bowl. Only if you're in a playoff game can you kind of guarantee that your players are playing. I think what do you and what do you think about that? Like, because to me, if you go to 12 team expansion, like if you're if you're a high profile prospect on a, uh, a a 10, 11, 12 seed, I think you still opt out because now you have what if you make it to the championship game, you're going to play another four games and the right. likelihood of, I don't think it's worth, you're not, I mean, whatever a 12 seed, if it's some FBS school, you're not beating Alabama or Georgia. Like it's just not happening. So I, I don't think, I think you're still going to see the opt-outs as you say. Yeah. I think you get one game. I think you get one, you get one game out of all of them. And the reason I say that is because yeah, you might not beat those teams, but like a Desmond Ritter, for example, Alabama pretty much balled him up. However, his draft stock actually rose because of the fact that he played that game against Alabama. Because you got to understand, with the playoffs, right, that's more eyes coming to the set. So this might be your best opportunity to audition for the NFL. So if you sit out um, of a, a playoff game, now, I ain't talking about the Michigan, Michigan Tire Bowl. Yeah, no, 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 whatever. I don't think the NFL is going to hold that against you. But if you're in what we consider a playoff game and you just don't play, you you, you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm sitting out getting ready for the NFL. I think that can look bad because if you're playing an Alabama, you're playing a Georgia, you're playing a Michigan, you're playing a Notre Dame, you're playing a USC, like that, that's going to have a lot of eyes on them. So what the hell you mean you ain't gonna play? I de- Just yeah, because? I de- yeah, I definitely. Yeah, de- from that perspective, it definitely makes sense for like a, a group of five team. I still think like for you know if it's a Ole Miss at like an eleven or twelve seed, like you, you, I think it's still possible where you could have guys, you know, sit out in that case because those guys there's gonna there's gonna be enough tape on them from high quality competition. But to the other point, like if you win, you know, let's just say if like, oh we get at least one game. Well, okay, I play that one game. If you somehow win, then, like, you can't stop playing in that case, I don't think. So I'm just saying uh, there is some still, like, injury risk, which is the whole point of guys 
opting out of these bowl games. True, but it's always injury risk. And that's, look, at the end of the day, that's the coach job, right? The coach job is to motivate their players and get, get the most out of their players. But, like, if, if you got a player that's just like, ah, he just ain't going to play because he he, he's going to get hurt, I mean, you got to let them know. You can get hurt at the combine, then what? Like, I don't, I don't, you can get hurt at any time. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's kind of like your legacy is on the line. But here's the, Here's my thing. This is why the 12-team playoff is ridiculous. Because you're going to have a bunch of teams where you're just like, wait, what? They lost four games. It, no. just, it, it just feels like they're trying to create this, to your point, they're trying to create this March Madness vibe that's just not going to work in the game of football. One game is too rough on these young men's body to be – Okay, we won this week. Now let's go to next week. Let's go to the 14 playoff is nice. Cause all it is is your bowl game with a plus one. Right. That's all it is. Yeah, you get to you, you get to this yeah, you get to this point and what you're adding <clears throat> three or four, maybe. So then you're like, you know, plus the regular season, plus a conference that, title game, likely you're gonna be looking at maybe sixteen games, which now you're in the NFL. That, and that's the thing. And that's another thing. What do you do about the regular season? Do you shorten that? Because what we what we do know is the school, the academic schedule doesn't change for athletes. They just find a way around it. You know, bring tutors on the road, take tests on the road, whatever the case might be. Now, usually where you usually get a break and you can do, you know, your academic requirements and you get a week and you get to go home and all that, you probably won't get all that now. If you're you're accelerating the playoffs and now you're playing four extra games that matters on top of it, can't lose this guy, I need him for this game, can't lose this guy, lose. you don't get those breaks. And I do think it's more taxing on the college player because of what their, what their um, criteria is, what their requirement is. It's not like the NFL. In the, in, in the NFL, all I do is play football. That's it. If I want to be rich and famous, I go shoot commercials. I go get in movies. I go do this. I go do whatever. But that's my decision. In college, these guys are still required to do schoolwork. And still required to take tests. And still required to be a student. Yet it's still you out here giving them a professional schedule. I just, I don't, I don't get it. So you're going to force these guys to play more football and then you're gonna force teams that shouldn't even be there. To I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't understand why we in such a rush for expansion. Other than the fact that it's conferences out there that believe they would never get a fair shake unless we expand. They may or may not be right. I feel like play better, but we just seen the best the AAC had to offer. The best the Group of Five had to offer, cause. No matter what you say about Cincinnati, I think it's pretty clear that Cincinnati was the best group of five team that they had to offer this season and probably the season before that. They got into the playoffs, and you seen what happened. And then everybody wants to say, well, that's Alabama. That, was a, not, that wasn't a fair fight. That's, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Right. That is the point. It's never going to be a fair fight. Because... Yep. It's hard for them to recruit to the level of the other participants. Even if they would have played Georgia, it would have been an unfair fight. They would have played Michigan, unfair fight. 
Listen, you go around, you play Indiana, you play Notre Dame. Just because you play two teams doesn't mean you're ready to play with the elite, the elite committee, the elite, you know, group of college football. And then even to the fact of the Pac-12 and the um, the rest of the ACC outside of Clemson and the big the big twi- um, the Big Twelve, it's like, come on, man, y'all know what time it is. That why you think Lincoln Riley left, man? He knew what time it was. He's like, come on, man, I just I can't make it happen. I'm, I'm out of here. Why you think Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to get to LSU? I can't make it happen with this talent, man. I gotta go somewhere where I can get this talent. It's, it's like that. It, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, not to take – I, I got to go on about this forever. But with this said, I'm glad they stand to 14th to 2025. We'll see what they do afterwards. All these teams are crying about their revenue. Well, I'm sorry. The SEC is just like the NFL right now. They're the cash cow of the – well, the SEC is the cash cow of college football. But the NFL is the cash cow of all sports right now. It is what it is. Everybody want a piece of the NFL. Everybody want a piece of the SEC. It's not It's not their fault. You don't like it? Do something about it. Play better. Beat them. That, at the end of the day, that's what all this is about. If you don't want to see two SEC teams in there, beat them when you have the shot to beat them. Other than that, stop crying about who's getting what. Because the SEC... I guarantee you Alabama didn't care to play Cincinnati, but if you're going to give us Cincinnati, we're going to play them. Georgia was like, okay, whatever. We'd rather be the one seed and get Cincinnati, but if you want to give us Michigan, we're going to play them and we're going to beat them. And we, what are we crying about? Where's the competitive spirit? Oh, there's no competitive spirit now. Everybody want a trophy. Everybody want to be included. That's a cool message we send out college football. Cool message. Yeah, I guess the uh... – if you're if you're um, if you're a proponent of the uh, the whole equity bit, as far as uh, the NFL and it's uh, what we talked about the last segment, then you'd probably be for expansion because you'd want more inclusion. I just I just had to say that. But um, look, man, uh, I'm I'm with this. I, I'm I think they I think this is a good decision. At least let's let's hang out at four teams. They'll, I'm sure they'll come back to it at a later date and everybody get back on the same page. And it, I think we're headed to expansion, right or wrong. What's yeah. good for the sport? What's not good for the sport? Because, I mean, I do, I do think it has type a little bit of that feel. Like everybody got to get a trophy. Everybody at least got an opportunity to get the trophy because we we know we know the Pac-12 is just over here, just like they just they just cannot get out their own way. Whether it's Oregon, whether it's Utah, you know, whoever it is, they just wind up tripping over themselves and falling down before they get to the finish line. Because Oregon, Oregon had a chance to get in last year, but they couldn't do it. And now you have, it just increasingly looks like the SEC is just a, a juggernaut. They'll get Oklahoma in there. They'll get Texas in there. I don't think that's that huge a deal for those two schools, but it will like buffer the rest of the conference and they will be stronger. I just think both, I just think both schools are going to struggle somewhat. And so you have what you have the SEC doing what they're doing. You have the Big Ten, which is solid. They're the number two conference. And you can get like Ohio State belongs, uh, you know, generally when they play against the SEC team, I mean, they don't get just killed. But like when you move beyond some of those top tier Big Ten schools and then you move over to the Big 12 and the ACC minus Clemson, we saw Clemson take a step back. And then generally the Pac-12, like, 
I mean, you just get to a point where, like, and I, as I said, we be having trouble getting a fourth school in here. It's just like, oh, man, who? Because uh, a couple years ago, it was, um, what, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Like, we clear as day, those are the three best teams. Now we got to get a fourth one. Uh, who, who is the fourth one? All right, come on in, Oklahoma. Take your 17-point take your beat down and get out of here and try again next year. So, man, when you just go – when you just go to what I just described and now you're going to go down to try to figure out what's the difference between the 12th team against the 13th team. Like, what are we even talking about? Because none, neither of those teams are winning it all in all likelihood. There's a reason that before a couple years ago, no 16 seed in the NCAA tournament had beat a one seed. They're just, it's just a different level of competition. Like Virginia, of course, had to muck it up before they won it all the very next season. But I mean, you know, whatever, you know, one in 100, or I don't know what it is, but it's just, a, you, you just don't happen. And so, and even like, you know, the Cinderella stories that make it, they win a game, they win another game. You know, the only really example I can come up with to where a Cinderella, like, uh, what do they call them? Um, whatever, the, the equivalent of the FCS college, uh, a mid-major, a mid-major. mid-major I'm thinking yeah. of George Mason when I think Jim Laranega was the coach and they made the Final Four. Outside of that, I'm not really coming up with much. You might have a team get past the first weekend every now and again and make a little noise. I mean, a Loyola Chicago as well, you know. But, the, like, generally, the, those teams don't win, and it'll be the same thing in college football. Maybe them, maybe them Brad Steven led Butler teams probably – Right, you know but I think saying? even Diamond even doesn't. those guys were like Big East teams, weren't they? So, not at the time. Not, not at the time. Not 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 at the time. That's a good point. They but I think, know. but I do I do think it's it feels different in football because with the way you can recruit in football and you can just like they gonna get the biggest, the fastest, and they gonna just impose their will. That's that's what football is about. I just I I don't I think we're gonna get more teams in there, but at the end of the day, like. Is the fact that we may get a uh, an AAC an AAC team consistently? That's not going to change. That's not going to stop your Alabamas and Georgias from being, you know, in a championship game more often than not. That just means we got another another couple teams in there participating, thinking they've done something. When in reality, they ain't done much at all. Because look, Cincinnati, you know, and this was a, this was a strange year because there was a lot of teams that was just down for whatever reason, and Cincinnati just happened to be the benefactor. I'm not sure if they was the best group of five team ever. I mean, there's a bunch of Central Florida people that will probably disagree with you from the teams they had a couple years ago. But Cincinnati just hit hit the timing right, you know? Oh, so, well, well, and let me, let me be clear. I said the best group of five team from this year and okay. last year. I think I, I think they was by far better than the rest of the competition in you. group of five this year and last year. But, but yeah, to, just to close it out, because I know we've been on here for a little bit now, the thing we love about college football, and you always say this, is the sense of urgency, what the regular season means. Right. When you start talking about expansion and you're going to go to 12 teams, you're going to have some three-loss teams probably most definitely, and you might get a four-loss team in there. And just like, what does that do to the sport? And then you've also just like, I'm not interested in bowl season now because the bowls are the playoff. Like, what is the other – the other bowl games just – they have way less meaning. And now you add – 12, uh, eight more teams to the playoff. Bowl season is just like, it's not something like, I definitely, I'm going to take it even less seriously now. So we'll have to see, but I think we both are, uh, we're saying we're not mad at them sticking before for right now. 
All right, time to finish all the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. After the Nets and Lakers opened the NBA season with the best odds to win the NBA title, the Suns and Warriors are the favorites as we head into All-Star Weekend. Jay, are the odd makers right on this one? Or is someone else a bigger threat to the Suns and Warriors? I don't think uh, odds makers may not necessarily be wrong, but I think, you know, by virtue of one of those teams, like going to, uh, you know, if that's a Western Conference Finals matchup, you know, one of those teams is going to cancel the other team out. So I think you may have to take a look at one of those Eastern Conference teams, like the teams we talked about earlier with Philadelphia. Or I definitely, I would throw Milwaukee in there, being their defending chance. And I think, I think when it's all said and done, they'll be as good as they were last year. So that, that, those are two teams I think about in concern with those two Western Conference teams. Los Angeles Lakers big man Anthony Davis will miss at least four weeks with a mid-foot sprain. He suffered in Wednesday night's win against the Utah Jazz. They win a game, and it's just it gets worse. Is there any way the Lakers can overcome that? Yeah, by trading his ass. I'm, I'm, listen, <laughs> I am Mr. Glass out here. Yo, look. Everybody get mad at LeBron because he can't catch a rhythm. I wonder why. Every time he come back, Anthony Davis hurt again and again and again. And I was the crazy one for saying they should have traded for Damian Leonard. Okay. And again. No, they can't overcome it. This is, I mean, listen, they roll into the playoffs. I mean, they should be used to playing enough games without Anthony Davis. But they roll into the playoffs. They might get past the first series if they're not in the play-in tournament and but the second series they cooked you're gonna get all you're gonna get from lebron in the first series and then you cook this this is ridiculous from anthony davis man he out here on some no i ain't gonna disrespect him like that but this is ridiculous and what appears to be a move to persuade aaron Rodgers to remain in green bay the packers have brought back tom clemens as quarterback coach the same job he had from 2006 to 2016. Jay, what do you think of this move by the Packers? Well, I like it. I think it's um, I think it's one that that could uh, maybe result in him in staying. Maybe he is going to stay. I don't think we know, but um, it just it just uh, it just makes me want to like, what took y'all so long to actually like consider what y'all's all-time great quarterback wanted? If you'd have started thinking like this a couple years ago, you wouldn't be in this mess. So that's what I think. We heard some rumors that Rams coach Sean McVay and defensive tackle Aaron Donald may retire after their Super Bowl victory, but after Wednesday's parade, it appears they'll both be back next year. McVay is only 36, Aaron Donald's 31. Do you believe retirement was seriously on the table for either of them? Not McVay. Not McVay. I do think it was possible for Aaron Donald. So, Because when players, you as we've seen, uh, players are retiring pretty young now. Um and with a player with a resume that Aaron Donald has, I, I honestly believe him. I mean, until he comes back next year, I believe he might retire because you take so much damage. And then, then to be the number one guy of your position, you're going to take even more damage. Now you finally met the ultimate goal. And they don't know if this team is going to bring back everybody. They don't know what's going to be in store for them next year. So I, I really believe Aaron Donald. Sean McVay probably was just caught up in the moment and he's really happy and this was really tough to do and he finally got over the hump and it was like, I just want to leave. I want to bash in this moment and retire. But when it's all said and done, I think both guys will be back. But if I, if I had to say one was serious, really, really serious, I think it's Aaron Donald. 
Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association plan to hold multiple bargaining sessions starting next week and may go every day as early as Monday. What's your reaction to this? You talk about sense of urgency in college football. Where do, where is the sense of urgency in baseball? Like, <laughs> if you just start doing this, I don't know, January second, you might not be in this mess, you know. But now it, it just tells you that, like, oh man, spring training is knocking on the door. We might miss games. Well, it's just full scale panic mode, and like, oh now now we'll actually do something. So I think eventually something gets done. I think they'll get it done pretty quick. They they may have to you know cut spring training, but it just. They're serious now, and they kind of procrastinating over there. Chicago Bulls All-Star DeMar DeRozan enters the All-Star break with seven consecutive games of 35 points and 35 or more points and better than 50% shooting, which breaks the tie with Wilt Chamberlain, who accomplished that twice. That's pretty impressive, wouldn't you say? I'm going to say this. You, you break a record of Wilt Chamberlain, you're probably doing something right. Um, Pretty impressive. Like, like I said earlier in the show, man, De- DeMar DeRozan, when it comes to the regular season – he puts on a clinic. He came over here to the rest Western Conference. He was some mid. Now he didn't got back to the Eastern Conference. He back that he back being that loud pack again. Once again, though, that's only good for the regular season. Give me some of this in the postseason, DeRozan, and I sign me up. Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh will pay will be paid seven uh seven point seven million and five million. This season, I don't know why I'm struggling with that. Up to $7.6 million in his final year of his contract, which runs through the 2026 season. Do you think Harbaugh will be at Michigan for his entire contract? I don't think so. I don't I don't really believe him when he says, like, oh, man, I just did my toe in the NFL interview, you know, one time. I, I think he's a guy who's always going to be highly coveted based off his work with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, he's been successful wherever he's been. So, um I don't know. I think he's just one of those guys. He's going to move around a lot during his entire coaching career. Tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, it's Khan versus Brooke at the Manchester Arena in the U.K., a showdown between two of the U.K.'s biggest stars, Amir Khan and Kel Brooks. Drink, uh, what will be the outcome of that one? Well, listen, first of all, you <laughs> this, this match is probably about 10, 12 years overdue. Um, here's the thing. Both of these guys have uh, been hell of a competitors in the welterweight division. Now, this fight is not going after welterweight. It's, it's a catchweight. Um, Amir Khan coming here, you know, rated uh, the 11 best prospect, the 11 best contender by the WBC at welterweight. Kell Brooks coming here, I, I want to say the 13th contender. So these guys are still in the top 15 of the welterweight division. The problem is... Both of these guys have been getting smoked as of lately on the grand stage. Um, Amir Khan, I have toenails tougher than his chin. And Kell Brooks, listen, ever since he he had the fight with Errol Spence Jr. in the UK and Errol Spence pretty much broke his socket bone, he hasn't been the same. That, that injury keeps coming up every time he fights. So, yeah, um, I'm going to take Amir Khan in this fight. I think he he opened up Kell Brooks enough where they either this fight go to the decision or Kell Brooks um, the fight gets stopped by the doc or something because he can't see. New Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connor said he believes Kirk Cousins will be the quarterback in Minnesota next season and he has decided to coach him. You take him at his word. Hey man, 
Kevin O'Connell just got off the plane from the parade or whatever. He's not trying to come in and just cause a scene right away. Of course, he's going to be nice to Kirk Cousins. He might have not even met the new GM yet. So, yeah, he's going to come over here and say what he needs to say. But at the end of the day, you know, it's the same thing as like Nick Sariani last year. Hey, we got two quarterbacks that can get it done. Yeah, uh-huh. Tell me something else. So, nah, we don't know. I mean, but I take him at his word right now because he's new on the block and he just going to have to deal with it. And he he might have not even spoke to the GM yet. That's what I think of that. Tomorrow night is UFC Vegas 48, Walker versus Seal, ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. We got a main event at a light heavyweight bout between the number 10 ranked Johnny Walker and the number 12 contender Jamal Hill. Drink, who wins? Uh, I'm going to take John and Walker. I think John and Walker got his stride back a little bit. You know, he kind of hit some low points here um, not too long ago. He coming back here. I'm going to take John and Walker by knockout. I, I like the, um, Jamal here. I, I just don't know if he didn't fought the level of competition that makes me, you know, uh, believe in him as much. I done seen John and Walker against some of the, the elite, more elite talent. I'm going to take John and Walker by stoppage. All right, well, that concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. And I'll be in Elizabeth City calling some college basketball. We'll see you there. Right. <laughs> and I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom.